Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Yesterday, the House passed a bill that would help clarify what actually is supposed to take place following election, the electoral count, how that is done, the way it proceeds, who's in charge, who can do what. Uh, Now the Senate's weighing its own version of the bill. So what does the House bill do? What uh, does the Senate bill do that might be different? How will that get uh, meshed and ironed out? Uh, Why did the Republican Party in the House uh, whip against it? What comes next? We want to look at all of that. And to help us break it down, Jonathan Bidlack, director of the governance program at the R Street Institute, joins us on the line. Jonathan, thanks for jumping on. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. So uh, so the House uh, passed version uh, of the electoral count uh, is uh, Mm -hmm. now, I guess, moving across to the Senate. The Senate kind of has its own version. Give us kind of the backstory. Where are we on these uh, versions of the bill? Sure. I mean, they're basically pretty similar. I mean, you know, the the, uh, the biggest difference, I guess, is in the uh, the margin necessary to be able to raise an, you know, uh, and so but these are conceptually, I think, very similar pieces of legislation. And so uh, there will you know, be some differences that will need to be ironed out, presumably in the in conference. But uh, I think it's encouraging. I mean, you had you, know, you had the bill pass the House. You had nine Republicans voting in support. Um, and, you know, Senator Toomey on the Senate side uh, just went and announced that he will lend his support, uh, which means that, uh, you know, that should be enough support, assuming that all Democrats uh, themselves are, are willing to vote for for the ECA bill. Um, there should be enough support to clear the threshold of closure in the Senate. So uh, I would say that the odds of of some you know uh, some ECA uh, reform compromise passing in the next uh, uh, you know next couple of months is, is looking more uh, more positive than than perhaps it even was the last time we talked about this. Yeah, and so let's dig into that just a, a little bit in terms of the the bill itself. It really doesn't establish anything new, but really just confirms and maybe clarifies a little bit uh, the roles everyone plays. Give us some some of the essence of why are we having this bill uh, at this point in the program? Sure. Um, yeah. So basically what it boils down to is, you know, the question of of how do we go and ensure that the outcome of the election uh, has been properly verified by Congress? Uh, and specifically, the, the biggest, I think, you know, area that, that uh, people are looking to clarify is the role of the vice president specifically. You know, the, the discussion that occurred uh, in the wake of 2020 uh, was the claim by some in the Trump administration that the role of the vice president wasn't actually just a ceremonial one under the Constitution, uh, but that, you know, he had the ability to go and and sort of, uh, you know, create or or question um, or throw out slates of electors 
um, and sort of take a more activist approach to to the certification process. And so, um, you know, what this bill, what both of these bills largely would do, um, is clarify that the role of the vice president is in fact ceremonial, which frankly has been, you know, the understanding of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, the the certification process pretty much for for as long as I think we know. And so it was obviously somewhat unique in 2020 to kind of question that. And so, so the by and large, the most important part of this legislation, as I see it, is again clarifying clarifying the role of the vice president. Yeah, and clarifying and, and codifying that, I guess, is the is the real key. And uh, we actually had uh, former Vice President Mike Pence in town. Uh, he joined us here on Inside Sources, and of course, uh, on uh, January the sixth, uh, once the uh, rioters had left the building, I, I think the most important moment was when Congress was gaveled back into session. And the vice president went about his ceremonial duty, as as you said, counting uh, the votes as they had come in. And, and again, just having that clarification, I think, uh, is definitely a positive. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, I mean, the Electoral Count Act is a bill that, you know, was written in a very um, – you know, I don't want to say slapdash way, but but it really didn't go and, you know, uh, it wasn't meant to sort of be uh, an attempt to clarify every little nuance. And right. so uh, as a result, you know, I think that there's a there's essentially, uh, you know, we obviously have a history of sort of how we certify presidential elections, um, but there hasn't necessarily been that clarity within the law. And so that creates opportunities for people to, you know, question how this should happen. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and perhaps uh, uh, try to do things differently than they were in the past, uh, being motivated by, you know, by sort of partisan reasons for doing so. And so um, I think that, you know, this does not solve all of the, you know, issues or questions that we, we have, uh, you know, coming out of 2020. But I do think that, that this kind of clarification isn't a necessary component to ensuring that we have uh, safe and secure presidential elections going forward. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, kind of the path forward. Uh, we know there aren't that many days left of uh, actually having members of Congress in Washington, D.C. They're all anxious to get back to their own states and uh, and districts mm-hmm. for the midterm elections. Uh, with, with Senator Toomey uh, announcing and signaling his support for the Senate version of this, does that change the dynamic at all in terms of is there is there a snowball's chance in Guam they could do this before they leave uh, to campaign for, for uh, November? That's a very good question. I think it's too early to know that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what uh, uh, what Senator Schumer is thinking in that regard. I mean, I think that the conventional wisdom for a while now has been that if ECA reform is going to be taken up, it's likely going to be a priority um, in the in the lame duck session. Mm-hmm. You know, after after the elections, I think the answer to that question will largely turn on whether or not. Uh, you know, Democratic leadership sees it as electorally advantageous for them to take this up as a priority prior to uh, prior to the midterms. I'm not sure that that they they will. Uh, only because you know they've sort of had a good deal of momentum on their on their sides at the moment. Um, you know, in the wake of a, a number of sort of uh, political things, most notably the the, the Dobbs Supreme Court decision. So uh, you know, I, uh, I I'm perhaps a little bit skeptical myself on that, but uh, but you never know. Uh, I, it's certainly more likely knowing that they that they likely have the level of support they need um, to advance the bill uh, through the Senate. Now, they, it's very possible that they may want to go and and capitalize on that before. 
before uh, uh, before they don't want you know someone someone changes their mind. That's right, or someone changes seats and uh, and the right. the balance of power. Right. The, the lame duck session is always a fascinating one, and and uh, my guess is they'll also have to lump in whatever continuing resolution they slap together in the next few days to, mm-hmm. to fund the government just past the election. Uh, so there'll be more mm-hmm. drama coming up in in December as well. Jonathan Bidlack, director of right. the governance program at the R Street Institute. Always appreciate your perspective. This is an important one. We got to get this one right. Uh, thanks for joining us. For sure. Thanks again, Boyd. All right. Uh, we're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, Utah's 2nd Congressional District has a candidate who has qualified for the October debate. Cassie Easley is going to join us to talk about her campaign. Coming up next, stick around. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 